Hello out there, all you determined dolphins. Welcome back to another week of A Little Greener, podcast all about nature, conservation, and sustainability. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Sarah, and I'm joined by the best co-host in the universe, Casey. Hi, Casey. Hi. Hi. That's a that's a high universe. Bar. The universe. That's. I don't think I can live up to that. There's an <laughs> alien somewhere that's like. But really, truly, uh, thanks for the compliment very much. no one in the universe <laughs> I would rather host with. Oh, maybe. well, <laughs> yeah, returning that level. I, yes, agreed. So glad to be back with you, Sarah. Yes. Hello, listeners. Does it not feel like it's been forever? It's literally been less than a week since we recorded together, and I feel like it's been forever. I almost forgot. I hit the record button on the computer, and I just immediately in my brain, I was like, I don't know how to do this anymore. <laughs> Less yes, than you, totally, a week ago. you totally know how to do it. Our last session was a little different. So you guys probably just got fairly recently our interview with John Shigarian of mm-hmm. URI. So if you didn't listen to that, if you, even if you're not really like an interview person, because I know some people just are here for, for a different reason, but we learned a lot during that yes. interview and it's it's worth a listen. It's not super long, but there's, there's some cool information in there about electronic waste recycling, a topic that we have tried to cover before, but couldn't because we don't know enough <laughs> about all the intricacies. And so we got to interview someone who does. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. But it was a different kind of episode, and maybe that's why I feel like we haven't yeah. done this in a while. So yeah. it's nice, well, to be, yeah. nice to be back, just us. Also, out. you have been through a whole saga since then. Yeah. Sarah survived Hurricane Ian, so we're glad about that. <laughs> yeah, survived and survived with no damage or, or anything major. So this was maybe my most, for me personally, for some reason, nerve-wracking hurricane experience. So I'm very thankful to be through it and have my home and my vehicle and not having to try to contact insurance companies and and all of that. So we're all good here. Well, your experience inspired me to do this week's episode on hurricanes and specifically how animals react to hurricanes. So Sarah, as our resident hurricane expert, what has been your, you've lived in Florida for a couple years. What has been your most interesting hurricane experience? Yeah, I've lived in Florida for about eight years in total now, and I've been very fortunate to, to not have a super interesting hurricane experience. Most of them have been, thankfully, turned out to not be super strong for me where I was. I spent a year living in Naples, Florida, which is right on the coast and got hit pretty hard this last time around. So certainly thinking of uh, all of my friends on the coast right now, but I I didn't go through. There was not a hurricane for me while I was there that really uh, amounted to much. So you know, most of mine have just been about being prepared and being ready. And then they kind of moved on through without having to do much. So this, this probably was my most sort of exciting, interesting experience, just in that it felt very unpredictable, this storm, I feel like, you know, there's always a little bit of uncertainty with the hurricanes and which way they're kind of going to turn. But usually a couple of days out, they sort of have the path and they right. can kind of tell you pretty well what to expect. And Casey, you know, with this one, because we we were recording our interview with John Shigarian on the day, on on 
Wednesday uh, of last week, the day that the hurricane had been projected to hit. And so we were trying to figure out, am I going to be able to participate in this? How are we going to get the recording and all, all of these things? So that was a little saga in and of itself. But um, but it, it just never happened. And they kept thinking it was going to go one way. They kept thinking it was going to uh, go up the coast. And then all of a sudden, nope, it's going to cut right across the middle of the state. And I'm going to be right in the eye of this hurricane. Uh, and then the timing, they thought it was going to sit over Tampa for a long time. So they just were really having a hard time pinning this one down. And so I just really got worked up uh, about it. And so the lead up to it was very interesting. And then it probably was the strongest that I've actually been through, even though it did end up shifting a little bit further south. So it didn't go right over us like we thought. Uh, it was, I mean, it was crazy to just be home with the dog and the cat and having this thing go by. So uh, just, you know, hearing the wind and and the rain and, and all of that, it, it was, um, yeah, probably the strongest one that I've been through. I, being from Pennsylvania, have only really experienced the tropical storm and when mm -hmm. they like reach up to us and then they're very weakened. So when I was in college, we had Hurricane Irene and that I think canceled classes for like two days because it was just a lot of rain. And then last year, I don't even remember, Maria, maybe, maybe that's the one that hit us, but that did flood a lot of homes in our area. Mm -hmm. So we get the remnants of it, but it is something, it's a big reason that Andrew and I aren't really interested in moving south is because of <laughs> how challenging that natural disasters are. And uh, and so I wanted to explore a little bit, just do some research about how animals respond to hurricanes, how their behavior changes, what sort of wildlife impacts this has. And so stick around. We're going to talk about animals and hurricanes. Right, we are back. Hurricane Ian just made its way up to Pennsylvania the last two days, and it is now very cold and rainy, and we canceled some of our haunted hayrides because of it. But Aww. other than that, yeah, it, it would not have been a good night to be out on a wagon. But uh, other than that, you know, we we really didn't get the big impacts like we have in, in some years past. But I have never been, I've been close to a tornado. I have never been close to a hurricane, Sarah. So I was wondering if you could kind of describe to us what it's like when a hurricane is approaching. Yeah, at least from my experience, which again, I haven't been through that many, but it is very different from tornadoes. I've also been around tornadoes. And I mean, the thing about tornadoes is they can pop up. Uh, you know, you sort of don't know, like they can obviously put watches out when the conditions are right, but they can sort of just pop up. But my experience with tornadoes also, though, has been that it sort of almost all of a sudden becomes very eerie like when when one yes. is nearby like there's not a lot of warning but then right beforehand it's like there's like a tint in the, the sky, sky and there's yes and there's like so a weird. smell and a taste in the air anyway with hurricanes it's completely different because they are these huge storms right and we just kind of talked about how they'll track them and you know and it's this giant spinning thing so especially for me being inland and not on the coast when you you know it starts it's starting to come like on Wednesday Casey even as we were were recording I was still kind of ooh is this going to happen is it not because it was already here it was already coming but it moves through in bands 
So you mm-hmm. sort of get these like where it's fine. And then all of a sudden you've got this band that comes through. And so you get a lot of rain and a lot of wind associated with the band. And then it moves through and then it's quiet again. <laughs> and, then, and then another band comes through. So that's kind of how it starts um, from from the outset. And then it just kind of hits you and it just, moves, you know, all night long, all overnight. It's just sort of constant wind and and rain we didn't actually have a whole lot of storming here associated uh with this one but that's yeah it's just you sort of get this gradual the temperature dropped i'm sure the pressure drops too because it's a big storm but yeah uh, and then you just sort of get the the gradual bands move through yeah so it is kind of like a giant thunderstorm sort of vibe going on you think yeah yeah yeah, yeah. for sure I would say once it actually you know you get through those initial bands and then the actual storm moves in yeah it's pretty much just a constant wind and rain stormy and then of course you know tornadoes can pop up as a result of that too which is actually my biggest fear associated with the hurricanes I mean I had the bathroom packed away with dog beds and blankets ready to spend the night in the bathroom which thankfully I didn't have to do but so for this episode, I had a lot of sources, which you can find in our show notes, um, but it includes National Geographic, uh, NOAA, the National Oceanic Atmospheric something, something. We, we've done this before. <laughs> we, we've done the, it. Ah! Yes, we had to look it up then, too. I don't remember. Uh, embarrassing. Okay. And um, and HowStuffWorks.com. They had a lot of cool information as well, some different papers that I found. So when you're an animal, you have different senses than humans do. Mm-hmm. So some of the things that I was reading was basically saying we shouldn't necessarily think animals have some sort of supernatural ability to detect storms the way that maybe I feel like that's an assumption I had because you would always see especially in natural disaster movies like the birds all fly away and then right. you know during uh tidal waves elephants run inland and all these things before anyone can see anything happening but they do have some senses that help out like just like us they can sense when the temperature is dropping they can anticipate that it's at least a storm the same way as a normal storm comes in and some of them do have some pressure sensors in their bodies that can sense that barometric difference um sarah when we worked at our workplace together we had a shark touch tank and one of the things that the keepers told me was that the, the sharks acted different when there was a storm front coming through. And so that is something that we know that that sharks do change their behavior, probably based on those pressure changes. So there is a certain amount that they can predict that maybe we don't feel in the same way. Yeah, which is so cool, I think. And I think you're right. I think sometimes it's overblown a little bit in the media. It's over dramatized that, you know, like I mean, my dog and cat did not act any differently <laughs> prior to the storm, let me tell you. So, you know, it's not necessarily some super, you know, mystical thing, but they do have these additional senses that help them in their daily lives that might allow them to anticipate these storm fronts. And yeah, I mean, just thinking of of birds outside, I mean, that's one of the last things I remember actually before the storm actually came in, but we were starting to see those bands. I looked out my back window and I saw one of the, the neighborhood mockingbirds flying and you could just see the bird getting like blown off course. And I was like, come on, dude, get home, get home. <laughs> it's oh, coming. Uh, but, you know, they can obviously feel just like we could see those bands come in. The birds are seeing those bands come in too and are going to know to, to hunker down. Yeah. So 
when you are prepared, what did you do to prepare for this hurricane? Because animals do some preparation as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, I sort of did the, the the bare minimum, but just making sure that my home was as secure as possible. So I got, I had some junk haulers come and get some loose things off of my property that could have been dangerous for my house or for my neighbor's house. Like I said, I had my bathroom ready to go and so that I, I had a safe space to sort of hunker down uh, in my house and they made sure that I had some water stored up and some food stored up to eat in case I couldn't go to the grocery store or cook. Yeah, I think that's that's what I understand from when I was a kid and they told us to always have an emergency pack just in case um, is that you're always going to gather essentials and mm-hmm. then you sought shelter. Yep. Um, and for us, we have our homes. So animals do some similar things. The The biggest thing that they do is seek shelter. So a lot of them will either move to higher land or move inland for more protection from storms. In the Carolinas, on the barrier islands there, there are feral horses out there, which are super cool. And during one of the recent hurricanes, there was a horse scientist that was talking to the news. Um, and they were talking about basically the horses are changing their behavior seeking shelter inland from the storm so they will go upwards and they will go into the thickest vegetation because like when you think of like a squirrel for example you're like okay it's got a nest on a tree but like what sort of shelter does a horse have right, right? <laughs> <laughs> like i don't know i think as a kid i probably would have been like caves <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> but uh there are areas with thick brush and that helps protect them from some of those strong winds as well I, well i think about not necessarily horses but a similar type like deer Mm -hmm. and I remember watching Bambi as a kid which we won't talk about but yeah they go into thicket right yes but this is all like it's it's so interesting to me to think about this and where where animals might shelter but I can't help but feel like but it's a hurricane you know how (laughs) how much shelter can that really provide but they really can you know they this is where they live. This is their home. This is where they spend their time. So I suppose theoretically they know where the spots are that they can try to seek out the most shelter. So that's what some big animals do. Small animals will just find their little hidey holes that Mm -hmm. they go into in their nests. They will find places that are on, you know, downwind, basic downwind, upwind, one of those places where the wind's not hitting them. You know, that's the kind of episode we're doing today. I don't know what NOAA stands for, and I don't know which way the wind's blowing, but the animals are going the other way. So even underwater, we actually see animals change their habitat as well, because what I found out is that hurricanes can impact currents as deep as 300 feet in the ocean. Goodness gracious, that's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Now, before Hurricane Ian, I saw some images, and I don't know if you saw this, Sarah, where like the hurricane is gathering force. It's like sucking water up. And so the coastlines were, the coastline had receded, basically. There there was dry parts of the ocean. Yeah, it was crazy to see. I, I watched some video of it, too, and, and I read about it a little bit. And basically what that was, they were saying, which I don't really understand how hurricanes work, to be honest. I know it's hot air, hot water, Pressure. water evaporating <laughs> things. I don't know. And then it gets windy. Uh, no. <laughs> but <laughs> this was... This is was before the hurricane hits. You think of this giant swirling vortex, the, right. and that the so the leading edge of that hurricane, the winds are the winds are blowing counterclockwise, and so the wind is basically just blowing all of the water 
away from the shore before it hits mm. and it's pulling this water back towards the storm that eventually as it moves up that you know that same wind that same counterclockwise rotation is going to blow all that water and then some back in but yeah it was it's very creepy to see those images yeah it's strong fast swimmers in the ocean are going to basically migrate out of the way so black tip sharks will swim out to deeper calmer waters and whales and dolphins are documented to do the same to try and get further out from the coastline where there's a little bit more stable waters they have a little bit more of a challenge because they have to surface to breathe so they can't just be Mm. like i'm going deep and i'll see you after however there are certain animals that aren't necessarily looking to seek shelter they're trying to take the opportunity that has been presented to them so tiger sharks have been documented to swim closer inland because they are theoretically the speculation is trying to take advantage of you know all these waterfowl that are just like floundering in the rain and the wind and they're they're finding a food opportunity and they're strong enough swimmers that they're not as worried about being washed ashore for example that's impressive really (laughs) i saw this on the outline and I looked it up because I was like why on earth would they swim towards it what so I mean that's free food man yeah but still that's really impressive yeah interestingly so so some animals can't do that uh for example like manatees not very good at getting out of the way they're They're not super strong as swimmers fast yeah you know sharks poor manatees yeah so that's it that is a risk for them right they'll get trapped sometimes in areas where they shouldn't be because of how the water gets moved around that's right the research i was doing said that hurricanes they are a risk to manatees they're not in their top concerns like boat strikes are still way worse for manatees than hurricanes but absolutely when you've got surges in these waterways it can push manatees sea turtles small sharks and alligators um, into areas where they're not supposed to be one study on alligators was really interesting because they documented they had radio collars basically or tags on all of these gators and they were documenting their behavior before and during and after the hurricane and they found for some of them they they swam like upstream and some of them they stayed put and some of them didn't deviate their behavior at all. (laughs) And some of them like, so there seems to be no like rule for alligators of what they decide to do. So it seems like a personal decision. I was going to say, I mean, that's like people, right? Are you, are you going to hunker down? Are you going to evacuate or, you know? Um, So that's kind of interesting. And I, I meant, I wanted to mention uh, you brought up sea turtles as well, since we talked about tour de turtles on the podcast before, you know, that, so that's something they've been able to look at too. I know uh, they were posting about tour de turtles around the hurricane time to say, you know, you can track, you see what these, these turtles decide to do. Some of them are, are in the pathway of this storm. And I know there was a previous study done on loggerhead sea turtles that had trackers on them and it was kind of the same thing where like some of them I guess went with the current of the storm uh some of them went deeper just kind of stayed where they were and went deeper into the water but I guess it did change their behavior too like they were saying the ones that went north with the hurricane then went back down south afterwards but instead of stopping at their normal foraging ground they actually continued moving further south much much earlier than they would have normally so 
and that their behavior still kind of remained altered after the hurricane. So I don't know. There's just a lot of variation and a, a lot of, of possible impacts of the hurricanes on these animals. Yeah, I think this is already sort of a lesson in like nature doesn't respond to hard and fast rules. Right. It it's it can be very reactive. It's not generally super proactive on a lot of things. Like evolution can pad you to certain things, but behavior-wise, a lot of these traits are very flexible. So one of those flexible animals, birds are kind of lucky because they have more flexibility to move than maybe both land and sea animals do because they can fly. They can go over the water. They can go over the land, wherever. So those smaller songbirds and backyard birds are going to try and find shelter in trees, in brambles, in the thicket with Bambi. (laughs) Um, Again, I just can't imagine. Sorry to interrupt, but I just can't. Like these little tiny songbirds. 150 mile an hour winds, man. I know you got to hunker real good. (laughs) (laughs) I hope they find a good spot. But I did come across some different articles that talked about seeing birds in the eyes of hurricanes. So I, the eye of the hurricane is in the center. It tends to be the calm part where all of the winds are whipping around that area. And that actually seems to be true that when birds are either flying or they are migrating. So this is both hurricane season right now. And also migration season for lots of species. So there are literally birds flying out into like the Gulf, into the Atlantic. And these poor little birds come across a hurricane. And sometimes they'll just like be like, okay, this eye of the storm place is pretty safe. I'm just going to stay here. And they end up flying back to, to where they came from because that's easier than trying to fly through 150 mile per hour winds and getting whipped around. Can you imagine these poor birds? Or sometimes they'll end up in a completely different place Mm -hmm. too, right? This is how sometimes you'll get those random birds, you know, in a completely different part of the world than they're supposed supposed to be found in because they've just had to go with the storm. Yeah. There's not much flying through a hurricane once it hits a certain level. So I thought that was really fascinating. Even if it brings them back up north, even if it takes them the wrong way, they're not like, you know, they're not robots. They're not not going must go south, must go south, must go south. They're reacting to the conditions around them. Right. If you can't move or hide, you really do risk mortality. And you might think, well, why wouldn't animals run or hide or whatever? There's lots of animals that can't. So marine invertebrates like oysters can't really move. Mm-hmm. Um, And crabs and shrimp are not really strong enough to escape those currents going, you know, every which way down to 300 feet. Coral. Coral. Can't move. Can't move. Um, So during hurricanes, those, all of those species we just listed tend to have really high mortality. So fishermen who fish for shrimp down in the Gulf Coast will see much lower yields of these animals after hurricanes that's for a lot of different reasons during hurricanes runoff from inland areas can be pulled out into marine areas and actually decreases the salinity and so that's the biggest issue for oysters so oysters are accustomed to a certain amount of salt in the water if it gets too low it'll actually kill them so salinity is an issue turbidity which is i love the word turbidity (laughs) It's basically like how um, rough and like opaque the water is. 
um, decrease in dissolved oxygen, and then it can also introduce contaminants. So if you've got this hurricane washing into some area and pulling out, maybe it's a wastewater treatment plant, maybe it's a, I don't know, chemical factory because we're in a superhero movie now and it pulls it out into sea, like that's what's going to happen to the water. It's the, uh, the water quality is going to go down and that's going to result in things like a fish die off. I'm glad you brought this up too, because I'm sorry to say that I've never really thought much about this. And it's something that we we hear a lot about. I mean, I said, that's one of the things that I did was stock up on water in case our water supply got right. contaminated, which is a thing that can happen a lot. And you get those boil water ordinances, but it's not just our water supply. It's Right. Yeah, that's so I'm glad that you mentioned this. Well, I think when I think of like boil water ordinances, like we've had a couple in my area they're like, oh, we felt a reduced pressure in the system. And so just in case, like, but you don't necessarily think of all of the things going in the water and how that water is someone's habitat. Right. While we think of hurricanes, like I, I was a kid when Hurricane Katrina happened. And that was like the biggest news story for like two full years. And rightly so, like it, it was a horrible disaster. Mm-hmm. And so when I think of hurricanes, that's what I think of is how horrible they can be. And this is not to say they're not horrible, but there are some, I just want to start with some interesting, maybe not good things, but opportunistic things that can happen Sure. right after a hurricane. So new opportunities for new resources come up. For deer and bears, when trees get knocked down, it can provide them with new foraging habitat. So new shoots are going to come up where those trees were, and that's going to be good for the deer. The bears are going to have some scavenging opportunities, raccoons as well. (laughs) And that's partially natural resources, and it's partially human garbage Mm -hmm. that is our places (laughs) that are washed out to areas where they can, can go to. Um, Eastern spadefoots, which is a type of toad, they use temporary pools for breeding and so they're known to breed pretty prolifically after hurricanes yeah i bet that's pretty cool and you mentioned coral reefs absolutely can be destroyed by hurricanes but there are some interesting opportunities that can come up for coral reefs could you describe a branching coral like what is it uh i don't it branches I know. That's a bad question. It looks like a little no, tree. No, it's not. I, I should have a better answer than that. But I, I think branching coral is probably what most people think of when they yeah. they picture coral. I feel like this is this is the quintessential picture that comes to mind. And it really, it's almost, just imagine a tree branch, except obviously, you know, coral is made up of all of these little polyps. So you'll, you'll have little polyps. But if you basically just imagine a stalk and lots of little smaller ranges coming off of it. Yeah. They're the ones who can be impacted most by hurricanes because they have these fragile branches mm-hmm. that can break off. Just like your actual tree branches are like going to be damaged by the, the wind. The coral branches can be, I imagine, by the by the, the currents. Yeah. yeah. The fl- uh, flooding of water in. But because these things break off, it actually, if they settle down in certain areas where they've never been before, there's no real good way for coral to travel very mm-hmm. easily. And this is an opportunity if it gets knocked off and is able to then embed into the seafloor again, you will have new colonies of coral. So that's really interesting. 
also hurricanes normally happen during the summertime when our temperatures in our ocean waters are very warm so sarah what happens to coral when it gets too warm if it gets too warm this is where we sort of talk about coral bleaching so it's it's a stressor for the coral and so it has this symbiotic algae that lives inside it and it'll spit that out which is not good because it needs that it's a symbiotic relationship they need the algae to survive right it's not just like a i don't want you it's too hot in here it's like the algae are are creating basically toxins for the coral when it's that warm and so yes the coral is like "Ah, i gotta get these out of here and then bleached coral is not necessarily dead but it is a good way to start being dead if you're a coral so (laughs) um but when the waters mix during this time of year and it's you know very warm in the ocean but then these cooler waters get mixed in it can actually help cool down coral reefs and help reduce the stressors uh, related to bleaching and expelling coral yeah so i thought that was cool no it's a good list and i think yeah what you were saying it's we're not trying to say that these hurricanes aren't bad obviously there are a lot of, of detrimental uh, effects that come from hurricanes but this is this is the circle of life right and this is hurricanes are a natural phenomenon and this is sort of nature taking its course and these are some interesting things that are interesting ways that other wildlife can benefit from these large destructive storms yeah nature life finds a way right nature life finds a way nature's react into what's the hand it is dealt um obviously bad things also happen under these conditions so wildlife populations can experience high rates of mortality if they're not able to find the proper shelter or way out of the storm as we've said these birds end up in weird locations sometimes after spending all this energy migrating that can impact their ability to get to their migration areas to reproduce etc when these birds aren't there as well it can actually reduce their ability to pollinate because birds can be pollinators and so they've done studies that have found that certain fruits on certain islands down in the caribbean need birds to set and so after strong hurricanes you see less fruit being produced because the birds weren't able to get there also all these conditions are ripe for invasive species Florida's favorite thing. (laughs) Florida, land of sunshine and invasive species. So one study showed that old world climbing ferns, which is an invasive species in Florida, um, was good at exploiting disturbed grounds after hurricanes. That's one of the reasons we do have so many invasive species in the United States is like you tear up an area for a road and then all of a sudden the native species would take time to colonize, but those opportunistic invasive species are going to come in. Hurricanes, similar sort of natural Mm. phenomenon that's going to do that. So they found on islands where no trees were knocked down in the hurricane seasons from 2004 to 2005, 15% of those islands had this old world climbing fern. In islands where trees were knocked down during the hurricanes, 70% six percent of those islands had had the climbing fern so like that's pretty compelling evidence to me that hurricanes specifically allowed this invasive species to wow establish yeah that's pretty wild i've also read some other 
things from Florida Fish and Wildlife. And it's kind of a mixed bag with invasive species because some invasive species are um, not tolerant of the changes in salinity, for example, Mm -hmm. where native species who are used to hurricanes are specifically like plants, for example. Um, So some of those coastal or marshland habitats, sometimes it can be a way that native species bounce back. And sometimes it is a way that invasive species uh, further get their foothold in there. So it's really a mixed bag. And I think that's sort of my lesson from all of this is that like, there's no prescriptive thing (laughs) that, that happens. Like all sharks will swim out to sea. It's like, well, for some sharks, that's the right move. Some sharks, they're going to take advantage. The pros and cons are are a little different for them. For alligators, they're just going to do what they want to (laughs) do. I thought it was funny because like, they're like, yeah, definitely some of them did change their behavior, but like some of them just didn't. <laughs> that feels right. That feels right for them somehow. Alligators. For you, gators. Like, whatever. Yeah. We've been here a long time. <laughs> we figured it out. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I just think I, having just gone through it, I do think it's, it is really interesting i mean we did the episode previously on what animals do in cold weather and i think it really is nice we've been animal people casey our entire lives and sometimes you just need to stop and think about these things it really is amazing and hurricanes are such interesting things when you can when you're not currently living through one and you can kind of just look at it from from the outside they really are fascinating and so it's interesting to to think about what our animals do i do want to mention too this is a very downer thing to say but it is i think worth noting that sometimes what animals do in hurricanes is they're not going to make it too right so we talk about all of these things and the migrating birds and you know that there are sharks like i saw videos of sharks swimming up streets in flooded areas, you know, and some of them are going to get stranded and they're not going to make it. So that's part of it too. It is, it is a tough life out there, but it's interesting to think of some of the ways that they deal with it and some of the attitude adaptations they have to help them out. Yeah, for sure. And this is also not really covering our domestic animals as well lots of stories coming out of hurricane ian where people didn't leave their houses because Mm -hmm. they couldn't bring their pets with them there are also lots of stories of hurricanes in the last couple decades of livestock in these big concentrated farms just dying off because they were not able to escape the storm so there's so many impacts that not just the wildlife have but also how we've constructed our society and our interactions with animals that then compound these issues. And on that note too, Casey, you and I have both worked in the zoo field. So mm-hmm. a shout out to, I mean, there's a ton of zoos down here that were the Naples Zoo, Tampa, Bush Gardens, SeaWorld, Disney, Central Florida, Brevard Zoo, like all of these zoos as far as I know, all animals safe and accounted for. And these places have teams of workers who will stay on grounds 
during these hurricanes. So here's me, you know, hunkering down, like ready to jump into my bathroom on a moment's notice. And there are people that are sleeping in the barn, literally sleeping in barns with animals. And they have, you know, and you can find, you know, social media posts from different zoos, you know, that have their flamingos in the guest bathrooms for the night, you know, ready to go with everything they need. And so just a quick shout out to all of those teams who are do amazing things to protect those wild animals that have been entrusted in their care too. Yeah, there's uh, hurricanes. <laughs> there's a lot to manage there's a lot. that goes into it, you know? Yeah. So brief touching on the future. Um, hurricanes are probably going to not, they're not just here to stay, which feels pretty, (laughs) pretty pithy to say, um, they're going to become more common and likely stronger with the onset of climate change. That's something that scientists feel pretty confident saying now is it's not just like, oh, well, we are seeing a lot of storms. We're seeing that the impacts of climate change with rising temperatures are going to create stronger and more frequent storms. Right. And this makes sense if you think about it. Again, I don't really understand how hurricanes work, but the thing that I do know is hurricane season is when it is because this is when the waters are warm. So if our our waters are warmer, if our surface air temperature is warmer, that's going to fuel to the fire, um, as it were, for these storms. And it's frustrating to me when I hear people say, like, look at a specific storm and say this was because of climate change. We can't really do that. But what we can do is look at the trends and look at the impacts, which is exactly what you just said, Casey, that we are confident <laughs> that this that climate change is going to have us be seeing hurricanes become more common and that these warming temperatures can contribute to the strength of these storms. So a natural phenomena, but we're we're not helping ourselves <laughs> right now either. I think that is also, you bring up a, a challenge I think scientists have had is, yes, there will, there will be climate activists, for example, after the devastation of any storm being like, this is because of climate change. And they're not necessarily wrong in that, like the overall frequency, like it is it's because of climate change scientists for a long time have had to say like well we can't say that like this particular storm couldn't have happened but i think what that does as well is it it does give some plausible deniability that like the things that make us take immediate action are those like very visceral one experiences (laughs) in front of you versus this overall growing trend i think it's harder for people to conceptualize the change do you you look like you don't agree with me tell me not not necessarily I just I think it's splitting hairs a little bit to be perfectly honest with you I think being as correct as we possibly can with the way that we explain it will be helpful in the long term but I do think that experiencing a particular event is extremely impactful but you you just have to understand that that uh I am not saying this the right way at all, but understanding that that event is part of this trend. Great. That makes sense. I don't know if, I don't know if any of that came out the way that I wanted to, but I think overall we're, we're, we're splitting hairs. Um, So I think it is important to note that yes, our, our actions and climate change are, are only going to make this worse. 
and you don't want you know it's it's not fun to experience these things so no and I mean we we haven't even really covered the human toll there Mm -hmm. have been I think uh, last report I heard almost 100 people were reported dead as a result of Hurricane Ian which as you've said like was a lot but also like could like we've experienced other hurricanes that I think we could mm-hmm. consider similar. Um, so if, if for humans who we get the weather predicting us, telling us, you know, right. a hurricane's coming and theoretically we live in a country where we have so many amenities available to us and we still have people who die during it. Animals like they don't have all of these warning systems in place and they don't have necessarily the same sort of technology that's going to help save them. Right. Um, and as we talked about before with climate change, it's happening at a rate that's faster than animals are able to evolve alongside it. That being said, I did find an interesting study, 2018 study that studied anoles and they were showing a trend of these anoles to start evolving shorter hind legs and longer toe pads. What? And the scientists suggested that one of the reasons that this could happen is because it helps them cling on to (laughs) their shelters during hurricane force winds. So these anoles might be evolving to withstand a future with more hurricanes. Wow. I had not heard about this. Yeah, and now, really cool. I, I now just have like a mental image though, because we, <laughs> I've got anoles running around everywhere, of course, of them just like Hold latching on. on. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's fascinating though. That's really cool. Yeah. So do what you got to do life finds a way mm-hmm. but uh there will be casualties along the way as well so that that's a really interesting thing to continue to kind of keep your eye on what these effects are and uh, anything to add sarah hurricane expert <laughs> not hurricane expert no thanks for doing this one casey i really i do think it's interesting i want to go read more about it too now and i'm curious to see why well, i did actually here's here's what i'll add just as another example from this most recent hurricane is baby sea turtles i guess were a thing one and a rescue organization on the coast took in like 200 baby sea turtles or something like that that had gotten washed back yeah yeah either that or you know they were making their way in into the ocean when it hit or something so there's one specific example right there but i'll be curious to pay a little more attention and and read in the aftermath here of this most recent one uh, a little more about what our wildlife impacts were. Thanks, Sarah. Stick around and we will give you your challenge for the week. And we are back with our challenge of the week. This is the section of the podcast where we give you something to do that's related to this week's topic. It's an action. You're going to make a difference for yourself or for the planet. Yay. Yay. Um, So I have a couple different parts to this one. We're not all in areas that can experience hurricanes. And I think many of us are grateful for that. (laughs) But as you've said, Sarah, like the beginning of a hurricane is similar to a storm. And so if there's a storm in your area and it's safe to like sit outside for a little bit, first sit in the window, sit in the window, um, you can spend your 15 minutes of outside time for the day. 
just seeing what the changes are around you. Like what wildlife do you see? Are, are there birds flying around? What are the trees doing? All of these sort of little things. What about the insects? All these levels of nature reacting to a weather phenomenon. And uh, that's that's kind of what I was thinking about when I was doing this is what would it be like to be near a hurricane and what, what would the differences be? I love this challenge. I got really excited. I mean, I do love just a good just forget hurricanes but like just a good storm like a Mm -hmm. good normal (laughs) storm coming through like really use all of your senses for this one guys like listen are you hearing what sounds are you hearing are you hearing any animal noises I I just because I can almost feel it like I can almost just imagine being outside on one of those summer stormy nights Ooh, yeah this good one Okay, I'm glad you like my check my weather (laughs) forecast. See when we're gonna have another storm. Oh, it was like 40 degrees outside today and rainy, so uh, that was not the day I was gonna look at the (laughs) wildlife. If you live in Florida and you are like safe and you're good, and you want to maybe be a little bit helpful in checking out what's going on with wildlife, in our show notes there will be a link for the uh, MyW or FWC, which is the Florida Wildlife, um, is it commission? Man, these acronyms. Council? Commission. Conservation Commission. Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. So there's actually a lot more letters in there, but it's just myfwc.com. And they actually have a page that will give you some more information of the impacts to wildlife. but it also gives you the opportunity to report things. So there is a, um, for example, for fish kills, if you see that, hey, out in my neighborhood stream or ocean area, there's a bunch of dead fish, you can actually report this online and help scientists understand a little bit more of what's going on with this wildlife. So there are lots of resources here that can help you understand a little bit more of it, but also you can help these wildlife by letting scientists know what is going on in your area because they're not going to see everything going on. So that's if you're in Florida and you are safe and you're able to, if you have some extra money and you want to send relief to people who are hurting down in Florida, I know still like 500,000 people as of this recording don't have power. They're still trying to rescue people. So um, there are, I'm sure, organizations that you can donate to, to help out those folks as well. So those are my challenges for the week. Awesome. Thank you, Casey. And yeah, super interesting topic. Interesting to think about, of course definitely thoughts i i know that i lucked out on this one so we are thinking about the folks who were not so lucky this time around so thanks for the discussion casey as always if you all are interested in getting in touch with us for any reason there's lots of places you can find us we are on facebook a little greener podcast we are on instagram at a little greener pod we're on twitter at a greener podcast we're also on youtube where you can play the podcast with captions if that is helpful for you and you can email us anytime at a little greener podcast at gmail.com we always love to hear from you yeah and this episode was by no means exhaustive so if you've got your own stories of wildlife if you have a cool study to share with us please shoot us an email let us know we can share it on the pod because like i said not an exhaustive list and i'm not a floridian carolinian georgian uh hurricane (laughs) experiencer so So thanks for listening, everybody.
Thanks, Casey. It's lovely to hang out with you again. And thanks for listening, everybody. We will. I'm stealing your line. We'll talk to you next week. Stay safe. Bye.